Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Mike Lanana and Jim Schonert, I'm John Manuel. We're brought to you, as we are every week, by Louisville Slugger. Check them out on Instagram and on Twitter, at Slugger Nation. And we're going to have plenty more tied in with our Louisville Slugger partners. From Omaha, as the road to Omaha has actually really begun, guys. We're down to 64 teams in the Division One level. Things have narrowed a little bit. We were able to narrow our focus to the 64-team field. We went over kind of the pluses and minuses yesterday on the BA Today video. If you haven't had a chance to see that, check that out. And check out the Baseball America Facebook page for a hilarious outtake, <laughs> uh, including my uh, profanity. Um, yeah, well, profanity warning there. There is a little PG-13. It's mild profanity. And I'm going to start off real quick, guys, before we dive into the regional breakdown with Herd Herd on Twitter. Asked me yesterday, nice roundup. He liked the uh, Herd Herd, he or she, liked the BA Today. Wanted to hear more about what made the near-miss teams miss. Let's real quick go over the near-miss teams. Quickly, I can talk about North Carolina. And, I, Jim, we did a little research. You did a little research yesterday. In the five years that you had data for for your study earlier, which I was calling I, – I, I wanted to use a different word than matrix, and I had one. It was an S word. It was like the Schoenard spreadsheet or something like that. The Schoenard sheet, I think, is what I was calling it. Um, but the Schoenard sheet showed that North Carolina was the highest RPI from a major conference to not get an at-large bid since 2010. Um, not quite a common era, because 2011 is really this BB Corbat era. But it was surprising in some ways they didn't get in. I'll say the thing that really surprised me the most is that usually, I think the RPIs within a conference tell you more than they do from one conference to the other, or RPIs within a region. And I thought, even though the committee chairman, David Hickey, said that, yeah, there was a 30-point spread between North Carolina and Clemson in RPIs, it was closer than that, just because there were 30 spots of RPI, or 25 spots, it was actually closer than that. I still thought that North Carolina would get in over Clemson, considering they split the four-game regular season series, and North Carolina's RPI was 20-some spots higher, and they had recency bias. They won the last game. But it really feels like nothing on North Carolina's resume was anywhere near as good as Clemson sweeping Florida State up Florida State, and that's really what the difference was. That was my take on it. I don't know what you guys thought on those two teams. Yeah, I mean, for, for Carolina, I think the the conference record was questionable enough from the fact they finished in eighth place, and they, they struggled down the stretch. I think those with getting swept by Notre Dame and Virginia, I think that's that was enough of a reason that you could throw out there to, to – you could leave them out um, to overcome the RPI, but yeah, with and then with Clemson, it was it was kind of the opposite. They actually did finish decently in the conference; they had a winning record. They um, yeah, they swept Florida State on the road to end the year. So that I mean, that sweep was, was really it. It was surprising that they got in, though. It's, there still was. They were last team in. Mike uh, Clemson was. I don't know if I'd say they were deserving, not deserving. I don't mind Clemson getting in. Yep. But I was surprised they got in over North Carolina, I guess is what I'd say. I, I think more than anything, it's just a matter of timing, which 
the fact that, I mean, Clemson got off to a rough start for a while. We didn't think they were going to be a tournament team. I, I don't think a lot of people did. You know, the fact that you finish your regular season with a, with a sweep at Tallahassee of FSU, I mean, that's going to be fresh in anyone's mind. And then conversely, look at UNC, and they finished with back-to-back sweeps. And they didn't have the best showing in the ACC tournament. They at least won one game. But they won two and two. And two, two. Games. They, yeah, they, they did beat Clemson head-to-head. But, you know, it, I think more than anything, I think the way Clemson finished and the way UNC finished, I think it's it's a lot easier to go with the hotter hand. Neither team's yep. resume really pops out at you other than Clemson's sweep of Florida State. And that's ulti- so ultimately, if that's what it was, that Clemson had a, something better on its resume, I'm in with that. I'm fine with that. I really have no problem with Clemson in over North Carolina. In that regard, I just was surprised by the the history of it. I will say I have a problem with both those teams in over Michigan State Mm -hmm. or Southern Miss or Missouri. I felt like we covered Missouri, and Missouri just wasn't good enough. Out of conference, didn't win enough enough games. The Wisconsin-Milwaukee series, which we discussed early in the year, uh, we talked about that ad nauseum. (laughs) That that series came back and and bit them at 29 and 28. Southern Miss, RPI right behind Clemson. I think, again, uh, Southern Miss just didn't have anything on its resume as impressive as Clemson going down and sweeping Florida State at Tallahassee. That series that series uh, win cannot be underestimated. And when you really look at Southern Miss, yeah, they got hot late. It was at Middle Tennessee State against Charlotte and Marshall. But, you know, at, uh, but they lost the series to Florida Atlantic. They lost the series at Rice. When you really measure them against the best in Conference USA, they did not measure up. But Michigan State, Jimmer, what's the what was the explanation given on the conference call why Michigan State, with an RPI better than Clemson, and yeah, they didn't go to Florida State and sweep, but they did go to Oregon and sweep, and Oregon lower than them was put in, and Oregon was sixth place in the Pac-12. Michigan State was what sixth in the Big Ten, which was just as yeah, good of a league. They were fifth, actually. So, yeah. so what's the ex- what was the explanation for Michigan State? They didn't finish. Poorly. They didn't finish great. They didn't finish poorly. I didn't see a good explanation for why the Spartans were left out. Yeah, I mean, it was a little shaky. I mean, they were... Because they were good on the road, too. All were, The the Shonard Sheets indi- they, indicators were positive for them, were they not? They were uh, They were pretty good. I mean, they, let me pull, pull them back up here. They were... 7-12 and 12 in the top 50 yeah, RPI. They had, they had, but, had a winning record in the league. They were had a winning record on the road. Um, winning record in the top 100, 100. Yeah, and, so. and 16 and 13. That's a 29 yeah. games top 100. That's good. And they finished okay. I mean, they were they did lose the series at the end of the year to um, Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. So, I mean, that's not good. And they went one and two in the league tournament. That's you know not great. But, but losses I mean, to still, two regional teams, did, Illinois yeah, and Maryland. Exactly. Not not like, they, not like they lost to, and they beat Nebraska. And they did, yeah. So, I mean. Did the eye test tell you Michigan State was a regional team? You saw them for these three games. Yeah, I mean they, they were. I mean they were good. I mean they, they're a physical, offensive team. Their pitching was decent enough. I mean it's just. I mean the RPI was iffy. I think they were fifty-one. Um, I'm just kind of I'm reading back over what uh, he had to say here, and I mean he didn't. He didn't really give a. It, it wasn't like with Nevada where he said or Nevada. Nicely done, Nevada. Where, um, That's what they want. They want to be Nevada. Where he specifically said they didn't have any top 50 wins with Michigan State. It was just kind of like, well, we lined them up with Oregon, and then we voted for Oregon, and that was pretty much as deep as he went about those two. Honestly, if you ask me, I would take Oregon, and I would take Michigan State, and I'd leave Clemson and North Carolina both out. Mm-hmm. That was for just for me. Um, yeah, that that's that personal opinion so I, I would agree with that though I mean Oregon finished strong yeah. they're in a good league 
and they went on the road at the end of the year, and I know it didn't matter to UCLA, but they well, not on the road, but they went and they beat UCLA two out of three. That that's again that's that's a good series, but I don't think that Clemson's got that one that one series at Florida State, and Coach Mike Martin said. They just lined up and whooped us. You know, he said it funnier than I did. Um, but so you have to give Clemson credit for that. But I still think I can't ignore Clemson going six and six against one on one the two hundred teams. Yeah. That's brutal. They're so, 30, thirty-two and twenty-seven. That's, that's it. We've, that's and we've we'll talked about this before, but really the ACC, the middle of the ACC, was very mediocre this year. And that's that's my other point is I would rather take a team from out west. Uh, that got hot late than an AC, a middling ACC or SEC team this year. I thought the West was pretty strong this year. And I think the committee agreed. That's why I was also surprised that Nevada, Nevada, thank you, Nevada, got to get out of that habit. Don't have us die hard. And Nevada was not included. So I want to make sure we took that question via Twitter. Uh, he's at Jim Schoner BA, and the other guy, of course, is at Emlinana, <laughs> the other guy. I'm at John that, Manuel VA. I'm the other guy. You are the other guy. Hashtag Awkward Mike. You can find him on Twitter. Hashtag Awkward Mike. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's let, let's break down these uh, these regionals. Um, so let's start off. Uh, if you're looking at your bracket, which I know you all have, mm-hmm. UCLA number one seed, Bruins, Bakersfield, Maryland, Ole Miss. Jim, I know you're just itching to pick the Terps. But I'll tell you, I I find this to be a somewhat weak field. I always judge that by how strong is your two. I just don't feel like Ole Miss. Miss They're they're deserving from their RPI standpoint. They had a good year. No problem Ole Miss getting in the tournament. Do do either of you guys find Ole Miss to be dangerous? Uh, Jim, I mean, I thought they were a week two, and Mike, you just saw them a little bit in the SEC tournament. You guys weigh in on the on the Ole Miss uh, on the University of Mississippi. Yeah, I, did, I felt like they were overseeded. I mean, they're, they're, they deserve to get in. So it's fine, but they're probably they're not a, they're not really a two seed. I mean, I mean they're they're kind of in a young, inconsistent team. They do have some, you know, Sykes Orbis, who's a holdover from last year, and they have a few, got you know, Christian Trent on the mound. They've got some guys that have that Omaha experience, and obviously Mike Bianco and the coaching staff there, but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm not really. I'm not sold on them as a two. So that's and um, as as you mentioned, I, you know, I'm I'm on the record picking the Bruins to win the title last you yesterday. Are. So I can't pick the Terps much as I uh, much as it might pain me. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing I but, will say for Ole Miss guys, Ole Miss has a couple of big series wins. Mm-hmm. They did beat yeah. Florida two out of three, and they went to Nashville and beat Vanderbilt two out of three. Those two data points are encouraging for Ole Miss, but it just doesn't feel like they're offensive enough to beat UCLA, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, you, you look at the team as a very inconsistent team this year. I mean, obviously they do have those series wins, and they were very impressive, but then they, immediately after that, I mean, they win the series against Florida, and then they lose two midweek games to UAB, and then they lose a, a series to Arkansas, and then they lose a series to Tennessee, and then they beat Vanderbilt you know, in a series, and then they drop one to Auburn. So it's just been up and down, hot and cold all year. Right. And if you get that hot Mississippi team, then, yeah, maybe they could do some damage. But I don't know. I look at UCLA's pitching staff, and I just don't see how this Ole Miss offense, other than Sykes Orvis, and Sykes Orvis is pitchable. I mean, he struck out four. He had the Golden Sombrero in, the, in their one tournament game. Against Alabama. Alabama. So he's pitchable. And... I don't know. I think if any team in that in that region were to shock UCLA, and I don't think anyone is, I think UCLA is going to advance because, like Jim, they're my national title pick. 
if any team were, I think maybe Maryland, depending on you know if Schwarin, you know goes goes nuts. I mean, you, you oh, know, Maryland's oh. gonna save Schwarin for the second game yeah. Yeah. to win it. You got to do that. So will, their I pitching has come around around him, is it not, Jim? It, yeah, I mean they did get to. Um, good outings from these freshman arms, uh, uh, Brian Schaefer and Ryan Selmer in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so, and Schworn, Schworn is Schworn. They He beat Michigan State. It was a very good offensive team in the uh, first game there. And I'll say he's been pretty outstanding all year. And So, if it's interesting if they – I mean, I'm just trying to think back last year. When they had um, Jake Stinnett, they did throw Jake Stinnett in their first game, even though they were at South Carolina, and they obviously figured out to play South Carolina in the second game. They didn't, they didn't save the race then. So maybe, you know, we'll see. Um, it's kind of thing. You know, they don't have so the Terps don't have much of a track, a long track record with what they do in the postseason here. But um, but they do yeah. have they have a recent yeah. track. Record. They do, yeah, they do have that is the thing they have. They do have experience mm-hmm. of winning on the road. They've won at a. Let's face it, a, a tougher a tougher environment in South Carolina than what <laughs> than what you'll have in uh, in Westwood there. So, I mean, but, it's but we're all picking the Bruins to win this. Yeah. So for ranking the teams, Bruins, Terps, Ole Miss, uh, and Bakersfield, and Bakersfield, who's the pitcher that Bakersfield has with the who leads the country in innings and is uh, uh, as usual, it's a Cal State Bakersfield team that pitches. This is. Hayden nope. Carter. Hayden mm-hmm. Carter. So, this is a Cal State Baker. This is a program that traditionally pitches. They pitch well. They know what they're doing on the mound, and they like their starters to go deep. So, none of these things are surprises. Um, they have won, I think, uh, seven of their last eight games. But you know, the, the the what is now the WAC is not exactly a standout league. And this is again a team that's not very offensive. Uh, it's just kind of a a West Coast kind of offense and a lot of strike throwing pitchers. I mean, even Carter leading the country in innings pitched only has the 56 uh, strikeouts on the season. So this is just kind of, uh, to me, Bakersfield is not a team that is a threat. Do you, either of you guys see them as a threat? Uh, not not especially. Yeah, me neither. So. I, yeah, I really don't. But I, I do, I've always respected Coach Kernan, the job he's done over the course of his career. Um, you know uh, the playwright uh, coach, as I think everybody knows him. Uh, so this is—they're going to go there. They're going to rep—they're going to rep and present, but they're not. Uh, to me, they're not a big threat uh, to win this regional. Let's go on to Lake Elsinore. We talked about the controversy yesterday. The other part of the Lake Elsinore controversy to me, guys, that UC Santa Barbara is the host, is that Virginia got sent there. Um, this is the second time this has happened to Virginia. In 2009, they got sent out west uh, to Irvine, uh, where Irvine got totally jobbed with a regional with Irvine as the one, Virginia as the three, San Diego State as the two. And Virginia beat uh, Fresno with the four, I believe, mm-hmm. defending national champion Fresno. And um, so that worked out okay for Virginia. Bullet Bob Morey, his national coming out party, they beat uh, Steven Strasburg in that regional. Um, that was really when Virginia's program was on the ascent. Now they're a little bit more established, but coming off a one and three showing in the ACC tournament. Um, but yeah, San Diego State, USC, and the Gauchos. Doesn't feel like I, I guess out of these four teams, the team that's playing the best is the only one that uh, of late is the one that won its conference tournament, which is San Diego State. Mm-hmm. They had five home runs in a uh, Mountain West tournament game against Nevada and kind of took off from there uh, to win that regional. Uh, what's got the Gauchos down, guys? And 
it doesn't feel like they're a real favorite, uh, a heavy favorite, as some other number one seeds are apt to be. Jim, I'll, I'll go with you. Which of these other teams, in your mind, is a real threat to the, is the biggest threat to the Gauchos, or are they still the heavy favorite in your mind? I wouldn't call them heavy favorite. I mean, I think on talent, I mean, the, we like the Trojans, I mean, but they've just been kind of, as we've talked about in recent weeks, they've been kind of iffy down the stretch. I guess they did win that series against Arizona State at the end of the year, if I, if I recall right. But, I mean, they've the last, what, two months or whatever, so they've been pretty, you know, they'll go 2-2 two and two every week. So I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they go 2-2 two and two in this uh, this regional here. But, yeah, I mean, this to me, this feels like the most wide open of any of the 16. This feels like the one more than any other where I can see any of the four teams winning it. Um, I agree. So, I agree. I mean, this is the most... So it, I mean, it'll, seed most likely to succeed. So I mean, even though you know whether or not UCSB deserves to be a one or not, I mean they're it, this is a they got probably got the toughest field, which we would say they deserve if they are the weakest one. So that's it's also, uh, that's a cromulent point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I mean this is going to be this will be a fun one to watch, whether you know regardless of what we actually think of, of whether who deserves to be there or whatever. I mean it's going to be a fun fun uh, three days there. Yeah, I mean the the thing I'm most excited about with with this regional is just the the pitching here. Just the, you look at the aces on each staff. You look at Dylan Tate, you know, and and Bieber and and, and Yakime on on Santa Barbara. You you look at Bubba Derby on San yep. Diego State, who's had a great year. Virginia's probably going to get Nathan Kirby back. Are the reports out of Charlottesville? They're sure trying to. And, yeah. And if they, even if without Kirby, the the X factor for Virginia right now for me is Josh Spores. Yeah. Who pitched great against Georgia Tech, but you know the rest of the week without Spores in the bullpen. Virginia was very uh, gettable in the bullpen. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what we've seen. That's what I saw when I saw them in Raleigh. That was the same, same really, thing. That's, yeah. that's the whole bottom line with UVA. People want to make it out like this season was a struggle because of injuries and youth. And those contributed. But the bottom line, like I've been saying for weeks, is they just aren't good enough on the mound. You know, uh, Brandon Waddell was not good enough this year. Yeah. Nathan Kirby wasn't good enough this year. And Connor Jones was good but not great. And their bullpen was could be had. So, yeah. None of those things are changing, but Derby, uh, Mark Seidler's had a great year for uh, for San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Feels like San Diego State has, you know, in those four top arms, like they have some depth. Uh, the bullpen has some depth. I, I feel like this is a, a, a team and a program that keeps getting better. You know, I'm going to say when Coach Gwynn took over there, uh, moment of silence, but when Coach Gwynn took over there, they hadn't gone to regional since 1992. And there are a lot of people who like to bang on Tony Gwynn as a coach uh, when he was there, including in the San Diego community, who all thought Tony Gwynn wasn't good enough. But he made this program a lot stronger. And one of the best things he did was hire Mark Martinez to be his top assistant, bringing him over from New Mexico. And Mark Martinez has done a tremendous job as the head coach now at SDSU. And I think the Aztecs are for real. Um, I know I picked them on the broadcast yesterday on the, on the video that we did, BA Today. I think it's. I think I'm gonna stick with them. I would love if they were a little bit more offensive, but uh, we talked earlier about Sebi Zavala. Didn't you talk to Coach Martinez about him earlier this year? Yeah, hitting all the home runs. They do have. They have different ways to win. Yeah. For, you know, for me, Virginia. They have they some really quality have hitters. Well. They have some hitters, but they have, to, they have to pitch. That's a decent lineup. But you know, to me, they, they're relying so heavily on Adam Hazley right now, who's gonna be a great ACC player. I don't think he's there yet. And I thought the Gauchos offensively are just not 
there. They don't have a plan B. They don't win with pitching. They don't no. win. Well, I think that's really been the source of their struggles. If you look at you look at the the last week or so that they've had the, the games that they've lost, they've lost because they put up two runs or one run, and right. they've they've still pitched well. I mean, they've had a couple of they had a twenty to two win to open the you know the UC Riverside series, and after that they lost back to back games three to two. So right. it's there. I mean, there's some pop in the lineup, but not a not a lot and not consistent enough is is the problem. And Jim hit on my issue with the Trojans, which mm-hmm. is lack of consistency. Now, I, I think the Trojans, talent-wise, top to bottom, are, again, a very balanced team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't know who their Friday guy is. They don't, know who their, no. they don't know who their go-to pitcher is right now. And Kyle Toomey has not taken that step forward. He's solid, but very unspectacular. Kyle Davis, Brent Wheatley, Mitch Hart. They just don't know who their money guy is right now. Is it Dave? I, mean, I think I think Davis can be that guy. Right. I ran him up our draft board because yeah. I thought the guys who saw him good, and now he's backed up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd agree with you that they don't have a, a bona fide ace like the other teams do, um, you know, especially if, if Kirby is healthy. You know, I, I do think that they – you know that they, they could pitch well. I do think that the potential is there because they do have some talent on that staff. But you're right in that they don't have a guy that's been you know every start every weekend. You know, hey, we're going to win Friday because we have him on the mound. They just don't have that. Yeah. And uh, so so who are you guys picking? I, I picked San Diego State yesterday. Who are you guys picking in this regional? Uh, I'll go with the Gauchos, but it's it could uh, could be any of them. Oh man, this one is, this one's really tough. This is awkward, Mike. This this is awkward, Mike, right now. Mike? Where's uh, it, it's coming. Uh, you know, hmm, this is tough. This is the most wide open one, for sure. I think you know I'm gonna be different, and I'm gonna go with the Trojans, even though they don't have that ace there. I think they're hungry. I think you have a lot of veterans on this team that I'm have We're that have struggled. I'm I'm about to be hashtag hangry Mike. That's it. Not just hungry, not angry, hangry. But I think USC I think, is hangry though. Yeah. As a team, I think they're a little angry that people don't think they're this good. Yeah. But they've been mediocre for a month or so. Yeah. And this is a senior laden team. This is an older team. I don't think you can discount that. I mean, when when I was there for the the Dottertown Classic. Talking to guys, you know, talking to the seniors, talking to Dante Flores after they walked off against Vanderbilt, and he just had this big smile on his face and it's like, "Here we come! This is our time now!" You know, and, and you, they were jogged a little bit last year in their minds. They were yeah. Team 65. UC Irvine got in over them, basically by virtue of a couple of midweek victories head to head. Right. And I think the Trojans feel uh, that last year was their time. Yeah. And that was taken from them, and they're going to try to take it back this year. So. I, I think the fact that we all pick different teams tells you that this is the most competitive regional out there. Should be fun. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. I don't think UC Santa Barbara earned hosting on the field. We all agree on that. But I think that criticizing the regional for being in Lake Elsinore is unfounded. I thought the Storm franchise is going to make this a really uh, – they're going to be 1,500 to 2,000 people there every night. Because guess what? People go to minor league games and they don't care really who's playing. They go for the experience, and that's what the Lake Elsinore Storm is selling. And there are very few teams in the minor leagues better at selling that experience than the Lake Elsinore Storm. So I think they're going to do a great job promoting this region. Uh, let's go to Stillwater. Well, let's not, but let's figuratively go to Stillwater <laughs> for Oklahoma State's regional. Cowboys, Razorbacks, uh, Golden Eagles, Red Storm. Uh, that's our regional there with Oklahoma State, Arkansas, or Robert St. John's. St. John's a sneaky four, guys. Mm-hmm. St. John's has young talent. Not a lot of draft guys, but the buzz I have on, on the Johnnies 
is that everybody in the in the country respects Eddie Blanks. You know, everybody respects Ed Blankmeyer's teams. Um, I feel like they're going to be scrappy. I don't feel like I have a great handle on how good Oklahoma State is. How good do you guys think Oklahoma State is? I like them. I think they've got they've got a really good lineup. I mean, you know, Corey Hassel's had a great year. Ryan Sluter, uh, Connor Costello is a physical guy, even though he's hadn't hit for much average. But you know, they've got they've got some guys. They can score some runs, and they've got you know, in the pitching stuff. I mean, they've got a you know, they've they've got this great story in Michael Freeman, who they, this guy they've kind of uncovered there. He's had a brilliant year for them, probably you know, all American caliber year. Um, you know, the rest of the staff doesn't doesn't blow you away, but I, you know, they can kind of piece it together. So I think they're they pretty much are where they they are where they should be as a, a one seed that's not a top eight seed. I think that's pretty much that's where they belong. But I I mean yeah I, I like that team. Obviously you know I like the the coaching staff there with Josh Holiday. I think uh, you know I, I I would still consider them the favorite here. But it's I mean it's um, it's not a shoe in. What do you have there, Mike? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about Oklahoma State either. I think this one can be kind of a wide-open regional, too. You know, I, I just got a good look at Arkansas in the SEC tournament, and I'm a little iffy on their pitching, honestly. I, I do think that they could, you know, depending on the pitching that they see there, they could maybe hit their way through it. Depends on how Benatendi is playing as well, because he had a pretty quiet week other than a he had a big home run in a, in a game against Florida that they won. But other than that, he had a, a very quiet week right. um, in Hoover. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I get why they're, they're a two seed and the resume is great there. But, uh, you know, I, I think Oklahoma State is the favorite here. But I do think that this one, along with the, the Lake Eisenhower Regional, is pretty wide open as well. You know, um, Oral Roberts, it's a program with a lot of history, uh, constantly gets to regionals, constantly overlooked because of its league. Um, I shouldn't say overlooked. They're just properly looked at. They just... They've really, I mean, have they ever won a regional? I don't they, they did. I think they did once. They Maybe did. Uh, they lost. Then they went to Clemson and lost the super regional. That's right. Remember, as I recall, that, that, that sounds about right. I forget who they beat in, in the. Uh, yeah, I forget who they beat in the regional, but I remember them being in a super. But you know, you look at them midweek this week, this year. They beat Oklahoma State twice. Um, they beat Texas Tech. Um, they split with Texas Tech another midweek. They beat o- uh, Oklahoma on the road. They won a series against Memphis. Feels like Oral Roberts is pretty good. I, I really, I, I, will, I will confess a little ignorance to uh, how they're good, but you know this is a solid team uh, that again has tradition. I'm not sure if you guys have a, a take on Oral Roberts other than the fact that you know they've won some games uh, against and they've, they've won some games against Oklahoma State. It doesn't feel like Oral Roberts is going to roll in there and kind of be uh, odd of the opponents there. No, and I think, I mean, if you're Arkansas, you can't just, you know, overlook that first game. You've got to got to take them seriously. And if you don't, you're, you're probably going to get beat, and then you're going to be in the loser's bracket. So it's, they're not a, they're like, they're a team that's in the postseason all the time. They've played, you know, they've played in this, in, uh, you say they play Oklahoma State this year? And I can, Twice, but yeah, yeah, so they've been in that stadium before. So it's not going to be, not going to be overwhelmed. They'll, they'll be ready. And we ranked Guillermo Trujillo last year as a BA 500 guy, uh, as a sophomore eligible for Oral Roberts, and he's back this year as the race. Ten wins, uh, you know, he's been a very steady competitor for them. So, um, now this is not. And they are. Yeah. Oral Roberts is second in the country in uh, batting average as a yeah. team. They so have yeah. some. They have there some pop. Go. I mean, look, looking at their lineup, they they do have some some homers there and. 
you know, really it's all a, up and down. It's all 300 averages. Exactly. If you, so if you're Arkansas and you throw your number four starter or something, if you try to get yeah. cute, you're probably going to lose. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, Arkansas is going to have to start. Uh, like Trey Killian or, or you know whoever right. they uh, want to go with there. So Killian McKinney. Yeah, I'm not, and I you know I wasn't really all that impressed by what I saw pitching wise out of them. And you look at the numbers. I mean, they have a 4.13 team R, team ERA this year as a staff. They don't really have anyone that's going to blow the ball by you. But this feels like an like an open regional again. Yeah, like similar to Lake Elsinore. I mean, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State because they're home, and I do trust that coaching staff, but. If any of these four teams won, it wouldn't shock me. What do you guys? What do you guys think? No, I, I, I agree. agree. Yeah, I'm, I'll yeah. take the Cowboys too. I'll, I'll take the Cowboys. I'll, I'll take the Cowboys, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the other ones. Next okay. regional, uh, Springfield. Springfield. It's a hell of a town. Uh, Missouri State one, Iowa two, Oregon three, Canisius four. This feels like uh, like from the NCAA tournament standpoint. Um, that one of the top eight national seeds got one of the lower twos because Iowa really stumbled down the stretch. Mm-hmm. They got definitely one of the lower threes because Oregon had to be one of the last four. Innings. I think they were the. I think it's, uh, either was, them or Clemson, Clemson were the last. Clemson, team. Clemson was the last. So they were the last, their second to last then. Yeah. And then Canisius, I think, is sneaky. And Team C. Ha- exactly. They have some tough Canadians and some talent. <laughs> I'm a Connor Panis apologist. I have been for a couple of years. Uh, I I can I can I just I can I just that's how I look at Canisius. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where you're going. It's a black eyed peas joke. It never yeah. works. Yeah, it uh, doesn't work. So yeah. Anyway, Buffalo represent. I I I, I think Canisius <laughs> is sneaky. I'm picking Missouri State here because their pitching is just so good. And mm. it doesn't. I don't think Missouri State's lost two games back to back all year. It feels like. I mean, this is just a. When's the last game. time they even lost? When you're 48 I mean, they lost? I don't think they've lost a series. If I remember right. I mean, I believe Missouri State has the longest win streak in the country. They haven't lost since April 25th. Um, you know, I, I I think their RPI is seven because they constantly win games. Yeah. They're 16 and three at home. Uh. I'm not picking against Missouri State. That said, the one time they did play Iowa this year, one of the times they played Iowa, they did lose uh, early in the year. Um, yeah, so their last loss was what, uh, Illinois State? Yeah. This is, this is a really good team. I don't see them losing at home, guys. Do you guys see them losing at home? No. I, I, I mean, they're, they're my favorite here. I will say I did talk to an opposing coach in the conference um, who questioned their pitching depth behind John Harris and Matt Hall. On the first two starters, I mean, both of those guys have been been great, but they've relied on them, you know, a heavy load on both of those guys this year, and they've really ridden those guys. And you know, it, it, it's possible if you, if you lose a game or someone sneaks up on you, I mean, they could be in trouble. You know, I think they'll be okay getting out of this regional, but it'll be interesting to see going forward which arms they throw out there. I'm also going to say on Canisius. I'm going to stick on the Canisius thing. First of all, they have these two Canadian sluggers, Connor Panis and Brent Siddall. Brent Siddall, whose dad Joe Siddall played in the big leagues. Hashtag Team C. Both those guys are Canadians. Um, you look at their at their rotation. Uh, Alex Godzak's a veteran guy who uh, won ten games last year. wasn't as good this year in terms of the numbers, but was a veteran of their regional a couple years ago at Chapel Hill. JP Stevenson, I believe, is a veteran of that. Uh, uh, no, that's not him. That's the wrong guy. Um, I also love they have a French Canadian closer, Yannick. Remillard, wow. which is awesome. <laughs> At least the name's French Canadian. Um, with Canisius, that's the that's the route that I'm going in. But feels like every year, 
Canisius plays tough teams. They don't shriek from it. They'll play as tough a schedule as they can. They seem like they always end up cleaning up in the MAAC at the uh, Metro Atlantic Conference. This is a toughness team. This is a team that's been to regionals. I don't think they're the, I don't think they're a pushover as a four, I, especially that if they lose that first game to Hall or to Harris, and they're facing the loser of Oregon Iowa. Loser of Oregon Iowa better be careful. Yeah. Canisius could jump up and, and beat them. So I and I will I respect Canisius' yeah. program. And next, I mean. Just looking at the other two teams, I mean, Oregon was hot down the stretch. Much, much as we, whether we disagree or not with them uh, getting in, they were hot. They've got talent. They've got team. a physical, you know, a physical, a more a more physical lineup than we're kind of used to from from their kind of from their teams. They've got obviously got uh, you know good guys on the mound. You know, David Peterson and those in Cole Irvin and those guys. They've so they've got some guys they can go to. And Iowa was. Not all that impressive in the Big Ten tournament. They lose their last regular season series to Rutgers. They go one and two in Minneapolis, and they're they're a pitching team that did not pitch very well the last weekend. That was, you know, Blake Hickman and Calvin Matthews both got knocked around. It was, and the, their bullpen wasn't that much better. So they're they feel like they've got some. They've got. Some, I mean, they'll be excited to be there that's clear i mean they haven't been to regionals in 25 years or something so it's a big deal for them to be there how about rick keller taking his mm-hmm. third program now like in a decade mm-hmm. took indiana state he took northern iowa now iowa mm-hmm. three schools to regionals again really in about a one decade span that guy's a hell of a coach yep and um he's at a big 10 school now and he's turned iowa around i and just he- have to think if he wanted it if he were into it this guy would be a candidate for some of these other jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I were at Arizona or uh, Baylor, and I'm looking into those jobs and hiring for those jobs, I would Rick Heller would be on my list of coaches to research because he has proven it doesn't matter what league I'm in or what the obstacles are, I could win and I can develop. Blake Hickens would be a high draft. Uh, Shamanaya was a high draft. Tanner O'Rourke at Northern Iowa. Uh, who was a, a basketball player, was a high draft. And he had Brent Douglas, too, who was a high draft with the Tigers, like fourth, fifth-round pick. So this guy develops. This guy wins. He brings toughness. That's a coach. Mm-hmm. That if I'm a, a big-name school like Baylor in Arizona and I expect regionals year in, year out, I'm looking at Rick Heller. I think you mean he's a heller of a coach. He is a heller of a coach. <laughs> Scott Heineman is a heller of a player at, uh, at Oregon as well. Since he's gotten healthy, he's like he's been the spark mm-hmm. late. I know he was there early, but since he's gotten healthy and gotten better, uh, he's been a little bit of a spark. I know he's playing a lot of first base for Oregon, which is not really his natural position. But uh, I like Scott Heineman, the job he's done there. Um, does feel like it's a little bit better of an uh, offensive team in Oregon. Mitchell Tolman's really been the, the consistent guy all year. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tim Sosnara's had some big hits. And you know, defensively, he's a, a much, much better option than my favorite softball player in the country, Sean Chase. So, um, I think I think Oregon's dangerous. Really nice bullpen one-two punch with Nagasek and, and Clevenger. Um, but they go to those guys an awful lot. Yeah. I'm picking Missouri State to win this regional. But I, uh, I, I'm with you. I think I think Iowa's lost a little steam. Yeah. Oregon's hot. Wouldn't stun me if George Horton pulled one out of his hat, but I'm going with the Bears. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And I, I probably would pick, uh, I would pick the Bears to win it. Uh, Oregon Bears. could probably... Uh, it could be the second place team there because I mean Rick Heller himself was kind of, you know, the end when they got knocked out of the Big Ten, he's he's kind of like, oh, well, 
Well, obviously, he's got none of those guys on that team have ever been there before to regional, so like, well, don't really know how they'll respond. But yeah, so but yeah, I'll take the the Bears are going to get out of there. I would Mike be Bears, surprised. duh, Bears, Ditka, Bears, Miami, the Coral Gables regional guys. Uh, Miami offensive juggernaut at times. Mm-hmm. Saw them stifled by NC State a little bit the other day, and also to an extent Notre Dame in the ACC tournament, but the Hurricanes are the number five national seed. Uh, Missouri State, I didn't, I failed to mention before, but they're the number eight national seed. Hurricanes number five with FIU, which was a projected regional team coming into the year, and eventually we were right. <laughs> but it took a long time for Turtle Thomas and the Golden Panthers to get there. Columbia, the three seed. East Carolina, the two. Let's start off with the juicy part. FIU and Miami don't like each other. <laughs> Turtle Thomas, an assistant coach at Miami for a long time, both under Ron Frazier and then under Jim Morse. They were on the same staff in 1999 for the national championship. Uh, at the beginning of that year, for those of you who don't remember, and this is ancient history and this has been buried, these two coaches are adults, they've moved on. I don't think they're friends. And, I don't, and the University of Miami and FIU don't play in a lot of sports because of the football brawl they had a few years ago. Um, I'm sure someone from South Florida will enlighten me. Um, but, you know, Turtle was fired basically for a week at Miami and then reinstated in 1999. They took his page out of the media guide. It was replaced by a Fuddruckers house ad. That's I'll never forget that. Um, that was a tumultuous year for the U, but they went on to win the national championship and the celebration on the field. There was a Jim Morris camp over here, and there was a Turtle Thomas camp over here on the field. And they mingled. The players did, but the coaches didn't. To their credit, they worked it out that year. They, they won a national championship. There was some creative fiction. I love to get an oral history of the 99 Hurricanes, somebody at Grantland. But, um, but these, th- th- there's history here. That game could get feisty. Um, FIU can really hit at times. Yeah. Um, it's an offensive ball club. I don't feel they're a threat to win the whole thing. Columbia has experience. I don't know if an Ivy League team is really a threat to win a regional. Um, this feels like Miami's regional to, to walk away with guys because they're just so offensive. If you don't beat them with velocity, I don't think you're going to beat them. Yeah. Does East Carolina have enough velocity, Mike? Because you've talked about them. You, yeah. We, we should bring in Vince, our American expert. <laughs> I know Joe Ingles got some velocity on the bulk of this rail-thin freshman's wearing down. It was mid-90s early, low-90s later in the year. But ECU's won eight in a row, and they stormed through the American uh, tournament. I think ECU's sneaky, but do they have enough pitching to get through Miami? I'm not. I'm not sure they're going to do any plundering in uh, in this regional. Are <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, ECU's very hot. Uh, you know, credit credit to Godwin there and the job he's done in his first year with that program and, and getting to them getting them to where they are. Uh, you know, I think they are a quality club, but you know, you do talk about velocity and you talk about Miami's ability to crush. You know, mid eighties, high eighties velocity, and Hashtag and that's really what ECU is. You know, you look at their weekend rotation. Reed Love is you know mid eighties to high eighties. A lefty, Evan Krasinski is really the, the same guy stuff wise. Yeah. So both of those guys are not going to blow the ball by you. They they don't really have other than than Engel in the pen, and you know even even he when I saw him he was you know ninety ninety one. Right. Um. So. You know, I, I I think I think ECU will make a run for it, but I just I'm not sure that they can out pitch um, or really pitch to that Miami lineup just with how much power it has and how hot the Hurricanes have been offensively ending the season. They really have been. Uh, Jimmer, do you see any of those teams there as a threat to the Canes? Not not to win the whole. Th- I mean, as we talked, FIU can hit. They can hit. They can hit home runs. So I mean, I think if Miami. 
you probably do need to throw uh, Suarez or, or Woodry in that first game. You can't try to get you can't outsmart yourself and throw you know your number three or four. Um, but assuming they do that, and they, I mean Woodry's been going on Friday, so you kind of assume it would be Woodry um, in that game. So Suarez was good last week against NC State. Mm-hmm. Stuff was firm. Only made a couple mistakes. Wolfpack lineup is a good lineup and a right-handed heavy lineup. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought he was good. My, the eye test says that he's pitching well at this time. And then I mean ECU and, and Columbia. I mean those are interesting teams. I mean Columbia's. I like I mean, Columbia. Yeah, I mean I was gave us some good, you know, kind of. Uh, Gave us some good stuff on them, or our Ivy League correspondent here. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean they are. First of all, Ace George Thanopoulos. Mm-hmm. So hashtag Team Greek. Um, second of all, twenty nine thousand year old Joey Falcone. I think he's actually twenty seven, but Joe Falcone, Afghanistan war vet, kind of a college celeb in this regional. A couple of years ago, when Columbia was there, got some airtime on regional broadcast. Uh, he had a terrible year last year. I, I would assume he was injured. But came back this year. I think he is literally 27 years old. Um, son of big league pitcher Pete Falcone. This guy's got 11 bombs this year. And then they really like Jim Serena. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan Serena, I should say. Uh, I believe he's their shortstop. Uh, no, he's not their shortstop. I think he's their first baseman. Um, but Jordan Serena can really run. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus runner, according to the coaching staff there. Uh, 21 steals on the year. So this team has it's, some offensive it's a good off, too. It is a good offensive team. I mean, they're top 50 in the country in, in hitting and scoring. They're up. They're you know they steal a good number of bases. They, I mean, that's it's a, a team you can't overlook. You can't just like kind of like we were saying with FIU. You can't just throw some you know your some guy at the back of your rotation against them. You gotta be you gotta be invested in that game if you're gonna get past them. I think Miami's too offensive, and this regional again doesn't have enough other pitching for me to pick against the Canes. So I'm picking the Hurricanes. Uh, how about you guys? Hurricanes? I agree. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Hurricanes. All three of us. So we've only disagreed on one regional so far. Mm-hmm. Um, let's wrap up this left side of the bracket and break for lunch. Dallas Baptist, the one seed, did not get a national seed. The Dallas Baptist kind of backed up. And this regional seems up for grabs, guys, because mm-hmm. Oregon State's the two. Texas, which won the Big 12 tournament to get back into regionals, is three. VCU's the four. VCU's is like a team that can pitch. You know, I kind of like the Rams on the mound. Uh, they've got some. They've got some arms um, that have kind of helped catapult them into the postseason again. Dallas Baptist guys. This team seems like they should be, frankly, a little better than they've been lately. I mean, they've had a tough schedule, but not as good. As, I don't understand, still don't understand how their RPI is all jacked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that still doesn't make sense to me. But this team's got a lights-out bullpen. Do they have enough starting pitching to win a regional? It feels like they don't. They they have they have. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. I mean, they they've got some. I think Jay Lynch and those guys they, they've got enough. They can probably get through it. I mean, it's not. Uh, I don't know. They're really lights out. But I, I like. I mean, they're. I mean, the thing is, they're they're very offensive. They're a very physical team. They've got all, all guys up and down that lineup that can really. They can hit the ball over the fence. They can do a lot of different things. So I'm, 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 I'm a fan of theirs. I think they're, they're a very, they're a balanced team. But I mean, that is a pretty. I mean, I like the Beavers. The Beavers are really talented. Obviously, they got an ace and Andrew Moore. I'll be curious to see whether they, whether they save more for the second game and try to throw um, Rasmussen, their freshman, who threw the perfect game to throw him against Texas, save more for DBU. I think that'd be. That'd be a pretty fascinating matchup. And Andrew Moore is really coming on, yeah. by the way. From a draft perspective, mm-hmm. uh, it's an unsettled college pitcher class. 
So that's why the college performers like Thomas Eshelman and Andrew Moore, who are in our 100 range on the BA Top 500, which is coming out soon, those guys are going to go higher than where they're ranked, and especially Eshelman and Moore is in that conversation as well. So just want to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I mean, just adding to what what Jim was talking about with, with DBU, I, I was talking to a scout who who has seen DBU a, a decent amount this year, and he he really likes the pitching staff they have. And it, you talk about the the, the bullpen, and to really have three flamethrowers back yes. there, and Brennan Coach and, and Chance Adams and Drew Smith. I mean, three it's like, guys. It's like Drew Smith and Chance Adams have kind of flipped roles of late. Yeah. Uh, JJ was telling me the other day, and I forget which one. The guy who was a setup man before is no longer the setup man, and the. the the order has flipped in the back of their bullpen. It sounds like. Yeah, well, I mean, Chance Adams had been the guy for a while, but I think I think Drew Smith has, has yeah. emerged uh, of late. But and and I mean, statistically, you look at the the weekend rotation, and maybe it doesn't jump out at you, but uh, Joseph Shaw and Corey Taylor both have great stuff as well, and it could be a tough matchup for any team just with the velocity that they have. And if they're on, you know, they, they could be tough, you know. And I think if they're not on, then you just go to the arms that you have in the bullpen, and they have enough talent in that offense. Where I mean, you look at you know the year that Drew Turbin's had, Tag Deuce's had, you know, just a, a lot up and down. It's it's not maybe the most powerful offense. They do have a couple of guys with with a decent amount of home runs and doubles, but you know, I, I think they're a balanced team, and obviously they've been number one in RPI for most of the year. Right. Uh, you know, however, you know, we we're not entirely sure how they got there, but they're they're a quality club, and I I think I think this this is their regional to win. I do think Oregon State can make a run for it, but I I do favor DBU in this regional. So I favor the I favor the Beavers, and uh, I'll tell you why. Number one, young team uh, with a learning curve, but it's starting to come together for this team. It's especially starting to come together for some of those uh, you know some of those uh, freshmen like KJ Harrison. Who got the great start and really got knocked back a little bit in uh, in uh, Pac-12 play, um, I, and some of their veterans have really kind of come forward for them as well. I mean, Jeff Hendricks just had a fantastic season, and then I just like the one-two punch of Moore and Rasmussen, and especially Andrew Moore. I think he's the best pitcher in this regional. Um, I think he, you know, I think he's a tough matchup for Texas, and like you said earlier, I mean, can they beat Texas with Drew Rasmussen? That's kind of mm-hmm. a big question. I think you I mean, have it to is try. a yeah. I mean, you are playing Texas in Texas, so that will be a, a road game for the Beavers. But I mean, Two they've very, been varied shades of orange. Yes, but uh, I mean, they they've been they've been very hot down the stretch. We know Rasmussen can do it. I think if you throw him in that game, I mean, Texas is not a, a you know, very fearsome offense at all. So I think yeah. I mean, if the Beavers, assuming the Beavers, if they do that. Start Rasmussen against Texas, save more for DBU. I think they win the regional. I think I, I think I would take them. So you're taking Oregon State. I'll take the Beavers. Uh, we're both taking Oregon State, Mike. You're in the minority on this one. I, I think. Hey, that's that's fine with me. If I need to be angry, Mike, I'll be angry, Mike. Be I'm, angry, Mike. I'm going DBU, John. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect. I, 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 that's that's loud, Mike, and angry, Mike. But I'll give Texas credit. They didn't fold up. Yeah, I'll actually say Texas's offense surprises me. The more yeah. I check it on, they're a little bit more offensive, like power wise, than I thought. Can't do. Can't do's had a nice year as a, as a freshman Guerrera, for them, and, and yeah, but, but those guys have some presence. Gerwitz was, a, I believe, Big Twelve tournament MVP. And, um, the real question for me is, what do they have other than Parker French on the mound? What what can mm. they count on other than Parker French? Not they, much. They started Kyle Johnson in the Big Twelve uh, uh, championship game. 
he was good enough, but over the course of the year, he's just walked really a lot of guys. And outside of French, it's really just been a hodgepodge. It's been a mishmash. It's been a whatever. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord, perfect. It hasn't been typical Texas, just like I think you look at Virginia. It's kind of a similar story there. So, uh, But kudos. Obviously, Augie Garrido needs no kudos from anybody, but another great coaching job by Augie to get uh, get his team to have a – to re- a reprieve for its season with one big week. And, uh, you know, Augie, uh, you know, they've, they've fired some coaches there lately. I think that there were some people who were thinking that if Texas did not make regionals, that he would be canned as well. And uh, that didn't, hap- didn't happen. Uh, I think going to the Big 12 tournament, any talk of that, uh, winning the Big 12 tournament, any talk of that should be stanched and that Augie will leave when Augie wants to leave. Florida State, Tallahassee Regional. Florida State, Florida State, Florida State. Woo! College of Charleston, Auburn, Mercer. Second straight regional, guys, where the two seed had a case to be a one seed and a host. Oregon State had that case. Um, I think they're going to play with that chip on their shoulder. Monty Lee's Charleston Cougars. Uh, see if they can play on a chip with their shoulder at Tallahassee. I would imagine that for Mercer, Auburn, and College of Charleston, they have to take some solace in the fact that they just saw... Uh, Clemson go to Tallahassee, a team that's really not any better than any of those three teams mm. by any wide margin, go to Tallahassee and sweep the Seminoles at the same time. I think Florida State, uh, I think they found an ace in Boomer Bogowski with a turbo changeup that he features. And I think they've really f- found uh, in Drew Carlton and Mike Compton. It's a nice rotation. Drew Carlton mm. was good in, uh, mm-hmm. in the ACC tournament. He was very good against Louisville. I like Florida State's team. I know I saw them playing basically at their best. Yeah. But I really like their team. I don't see them getting knocked off here, guys, as good as Charleston can be. Who's the biggest threat to them in this regional, Mike, in your mind? Uh, you know, I, I do think it probably is College of Charleston. I mean, it's a team that we're talking about as a, as a potential host. Um, so I, I do think that they're probably the biggest threat, but I don't... I don't Taylor th- Clark is a threat to be anybody, isn't he? Oh, yeah, no. Taylor Clark has had a phenomenal year. I mean, I have his numbers in front of me right now. 13-1, and 1.34, one of the you know one of the better ERAs nationally. 107 innings this year, so they, they've worked him. 136 strikeouts. I think he has their program history strikeout record. So I think he does. He's been, he's been phenomenal for them this year. And, you know, you you look at the rest of the staff, too, and, you know, those guys aren't, aren't slouches either. I mean, Brandon Glazer's had a nice year going 10-1, and 2.68 on, on most staffs. He, you know, he could be an ace right. with, with those kinds of numbers. And, uh, you know, Nathan Heldy b- below him, 7-4, 2.78. I mean, you have three starters right there that have had great statistical years. And, you know, the thing is, is FSU is such a tough lineup to pitch to, just with how patient they are and how many walks that they draw. And, you know, th- these pitchers don't really walk a lot of guys, but, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting, interesting to see pitching against FSU and the, the way that they grind things out, how that'll, that'll work. But I don't think you can, I don't think you can discount Auburn either, you know, because they've had, they've had a very nice year. And, you know, I do think I, I really liked what I saw from Cole Lipscomb in the SEC tournament. He, he was fantastic. He was really, really good. And they've got arms at yeah. Auburn. They figured out the pitching this year. Um, you know, whether it's Rocky McCord or yeah, you know they they figured it out. I mean Tom Holiday and Scott Fox. We talked about this all year, but Tom Holiday deserves you know some of the credit there. You know, and they've had to do it with Keegan Thompson kind of being in and out. Yeah, you know, he mm-hmm. hasn't been healthy all year. How how did their offense look? Because I'm always yeah. stunned by looking up and seeing how little power Auburn has. Well, the thing about it is, 
it, their offense might have been the most impressive part of, of what they showed in the SEC tournament because they, they put up five runs against LSU, against Jared Poche, uh, in the first inning, they were up 5-0, mm. and they they were you know they were out hitting LSU for most of the game. Now the Tigers ended up well, the other Tigers ended up coming back right. and and winning that game. But they do have you know they don't have a lot of pop um, for for sure, but they, they do have a lot of athletic guys and uh, a lot of guys who can hurt you in different ways. And I think that starts with Anthony Greer, who's who's kind of slowed down a little bit since Jim wrote uh, his feature on him, which oh, their no. SI, their SID was was giving me some uh, you know <laughs> some problems with that. But uh, you know he's a very athletic guy, and it, it, you know he's he he can be uh, a table setter at the top of the lineup. And you know, understand, his my favorite hit. name in college baseball might be Anthony Greer. Yeah. It might be. I just love Martin Luther that conversation. Um, <laughs> can either of those? Do you see Jim? Do you see either of those teams as a real threat to win that regional, or more threats to trouble the Seminoles? I would classify it as threats to trouble. Um, I mean, I like Charleston. I really like that team. I mean, with Clark and Brandon Glazer's a neat story on the mound as well. I mean, he's he's been outstanding all year. He's only walked nine guys all year, but did they, get, uh, did, they, did they get a little job not being a regional host? I kind of think they did. I thought they should have been. Um, I mean, they were higher in the RPI than than UCSB, or uh, I think they were like seventeenth, maybe something yeah, like that. It's high. Yes, yeah. I mean they 17th. they won their regular season by a good amount. They didn't win the conference tournament, which I guess is what cost them. But I mean, they were let's see, they were seventeen and five on the road. Forty-three and thirteen overall. I mean, they just twenty-one and three in the league in regular season. They just dominated. I mean, I guess they did go four and six against the top fifty, so you can use that. But then they were twenty. And, or what am I looking at? Oh, I was looking at the wrong column. They were four. They were. They were. They were twelve and ten against yeah. the top hundred. So that's not great. So that's a as, you, as we like to say, a fig leaf you can throw out there to not give it to them. But I, I, I thought they probably. I thought they deserved it. But I mean, it's it's all right. It's not, it wasn't a, it wasn't, a lo- it wasn't yeah. No. I, I actually think, and I never thought I'd say this, I actually think the geography kind of should have worked for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I don't know who else I would have taken a regional away from, but I think Oregon State and Charleston both probably should have hosted. Again, I'm not sure who else I would have taken one away from besides um, you know, UC Santa Barbara. Um Maybe Fullerton. Yeah, I think you could argue yeah. Fullerton. I mean, the overall record and but, just how much they struggled. I mean, obviously they came on really strong at the end. But it's not bad for me that there's there were extra West regionals. I didn't bother. That didn't perturb me. I would have put Oregon State over to be the second place Pac-10, Pac-12 over the second place Big West. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Pac-12 is better. It just is. So Pac-12 had a nice year. Yeah, it had a nice year, and it's historically better. It just is better. So it should have had. So this. Second place team in the Pac-12 is more deserving than the second place team in the Big West. All those other things being equal, uh, I would have loved. I think Charleston would have been 17th for me, Santa Barbara 18th, but it wouldn't have been terrible to have one in the Carolinas. No, and yeah. they could have used it. Um, so we're all picking the Seminoles. Yep. I yeah. Know. All right. Last but not least on this pod- podcast, and we won't have to split this up into a two-parter. Florida, the Gainesville Regional, Florida. So if your name is not Florida, you can't be in this regional. You're not allowed in the gates. <laughs> Florida Gators, it's great. And now their hashtag. I think it's great. It's great UF. It's great UF. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. I hate their okay. hashtag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag I hate your hashtag. Uh. <laughs> it's going to be my new hashtag. Uh, Florida Atlantic, the two seed. 
team that was on the regional hosting bubble for a lot of the year, Jimmer, but really seemed like they kind of backed off mm-hmm. late. South Florida, which for me was one of the last four teams in. Yeah. A little surprised they got in. Great job by Mark Kingston, up-and-coming head coach. That's a, I, I think he thinks this could be a destination job for him. We'll see. I think he's a hot coaching name. Florida A&M, another hot coaching name for one of these other schools, frankly, should be Jamie Shoup. Jamie Shoup has done a great job at Florida A&M. Kind of gone into the MEAC and just kind of taken over. Uh, Bethune Cookman ruled that league to, for a long time. Now Florida A&M uh, has kind of jumped up. Jamie was a longtime assistant coach at Florida State. I'll be frank, I gave him a lot of hard time over the years. Scouts always like to bang on Jamie Shoot. And we've given Florida State a lot of love since Mike Bell got there. Preservedly so, Coach Bell's done a great job. But it seems like Jamie learned some lessons all those years he was in Tallahassee with Florida with with Coach Martin, and he's done a great job at Florida A&M. He's shown he could be an assistant coach at an ACC school and be very good at it, and now he's shown he could be a head coach and win. To me, that guy's a guy. Uh, he wouldn't be a bad fit at a Baylor. He wouldn't be a bad fit at a Western Kentucky. He wouldn't be a bad fit at any of those kind of schools. I think he'd be a really good fit, actually, at a Western Kentucky. But I think he should be in the mix of Baylor as well. Because so, he's shown he could win in uh, – Power League, he did it at Florida State, and I think Baylor's an uh, interesting situation for him. So I, I think Jamie Shoup deserves some credit there. That said, Mike, you got a good look at the Gators in the SEC tournament. Yeah. I'm going to guess they look good. And there's, there's probably no team in the country, including Vanderbilt, that has more of like, you want a senior on this team? They got seniors. You want juniors? They got juniors. You want sophomores and freshmen? Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Florida has sophomores and freshmen. This team looks primed for a deep run. Let me tell you, John, it's, tell me. it's great, UF. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> no, they're they're a great team. You know, I, I came away very impressed from what I saw by them. Just, I mean, really, they did it every every single way. And, and I had a conversation with Richie Martin, their, their shortstop, a junior shortstop, a guy who, who could be a first-rounder, potentially. He, he could be great. He could be he could be great. And I, I was talking to him, he's like, yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time we've really put together all three phases of the game as far as pitching, defense, and offense. They're in, in Hoover. In Hoover. And, and they really did. They really did. I mean, they they had a, a mercy rule win, uh, you know, against Arkansas, a complete domination. Uh, you know, A.J. Puck looked outstanding and I think that's the X factor that's it he's he's their X factor because he's a guy who uh, both on the field and off the field this year he had the the arrest in April and uh, you know he's been up and down all year but really the last three or four weeks I was I was talking to their head coach you know Kevin O'Sullivan about him and his velocity has been up a tick the last couple weeks his stuff has looked sharper yeah he was he was touching 98 it was up to 99 on the stadium gun which was a little juiced so I don't know if he actually got up to 99 but he was consistently hovering around 96 the, the whole game he struck out nine guys in a row at one point I mean he's not he's not a, a, a really polished refined pitchability guy he's really just you know here's the ball try to hit it and more often than not you're not going to be able to hit that kind of velocity and that kind of raw stuff but, but you want pitching depth I'll give you Logan Shore steady Eddie Logan Shore yeah you got AJ Puck mercurial AJ Puck but at his best there's not a left hander in the country with better stuff than this guy no uh, well, maybe Tyler J. Throw Tyler J in there. Then you've got Fado, the freshman, who's been pretty consistent for them. Mm-hmm. Dane Dunning was a weekend guy, part of the time, a, a projection guy. Scouts love this guy. Aaron Rhodes is interesting. And then out of the bullpen, Taylor Lewis is just 
unhittable right now. Yeah, he was great. Plus Kirby Sneed and Bobby Pointer. These guys are pretty veteran guys. They're 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 stacked in, in terms of pitching. You know, if Eric Hanhold came into yeah. the year supposed to be a guy. He was supposed yeah. to be a, a draft of the like, dude. <laughs> yeah. This, this this team. Yeah. I mean, we talk about all the time over the years with Sully's recruiting acumen. When you talk about guys who are assistant coaches, I talk about this with scouting directors a lot. These are the kind of questions I like to ask them. John Savage, Tim Corbin, Kevin O'Sullivan. What's the common thread with those three guys? All three of those guys made their name as great recruiters. Not good, great recruiters. Savage at USC, Corbin and O'Sullivan at Clemson. And then what they've done as head coaches is they've continued to recruit. They've continued to use the skill that made them head coaches, being great evaluators. This is about other head coaches who were great assistant coaches but aren't as successful as head coaches. Stop doing I'm not going to name any names. They know who they are. And this is what the scouting directors always say. Those guys need to go do it. What made you a head coach was your ability to evaluate and to work it, to outwork people. Sully, the proof is in the pudding. This guy just outworks his peers. Their talent level is sick. It's, and yeah. this team, I, th- I feel like they just, like you said, they just didn't put things together. Well, the other X factor is, is Alonzo. Yeah, no, Alonzo looked great. I mean, he's playing with the with a mask on his face, playing the field with a mask because he broke his nose, you know, earlier in the year. But every ball it seemed like off his bat was right up the middle. It's just a line drive. It's inevitable. You know, he was great. JJ Schwartz was fantastic in the tournament. Uh, Harrison Bader really came on strong near the end of it. Uh, Josh Tobias has been great for them all year. They have, they can win with speed. Yeah. They can win with power. They got Buddy Reed, who's really a They a, can win with defense. Dynamic. Yeah. Except the middle, Rivera, dynamic defender behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Richie Martin, in my mind, after Kyle Holder, he's in that next level of best college defenders at shortstop. Yeah. And Buddy Reed, don't hit it in the air to center field, Jimmer, because mm-hmm. Buddy Reed's going to go get it. I mean, forget it. That guy's going to be one of the top. Sure. Puck and Reed, those are three of the top sophomores for 2016, no doubt. And I'll, and I'll say Logan Shore was fantastic in his start as well. He, he looked really well, really good, and, and O'Sullivan was really, really uh, encouraged by that, just having both him and Puck going going to the regional. I mean, you have both those guys, it's game over. You throw Guthrie in there in the middle, defensively yeah. at second base. These yeah. guys are 981 fielding percentage at second. Martin, 971 at short. Buddy Reed goes and gets everything in center and Rivera behind the plate. Defensively at the middle, find me a better team. There might be one as good. This, these guys are loaded up the middle they're, defensively. They're they're great, UF. They're great. <laughs> they they really are. And uh, you I know. finally come around because I'll, I'll tell you, resume wise, they hadn't put things together. Yeah. But it feels like now they have. I've I've been I've been with you, you know, throughout the year because they've been inconsistent and 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 puck and puck yeah, and short ever since he had that game against Georgia where he struck out. 11 or 12, whatever it was. It yeah. feels like that kind of just got the ball rolling for them. Yeah, and I think uh, watching them in the tournament, obviously they won the whole shebang. You know, I'm kind of glad I, I missed out on that rain-delayed title game with the three <laughs> hours of rain-delay, but, you know, they won the whole thing, and, you know, they're they're rolling right now, and so they're a dangerous team, and they could I could see them getting into Omaha. Yeah, I mean, I think it really does seem like that Georgia series, and like you said, they went, won that series at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Feels like the, the Gators are a team that is rolling as much as any. And let's face it, we'd all love to see a Florida Florida State Super Regional. Yes, we'd I'd, all love to see that. And I've seen, you know, I've seen Florida, Florida State, and Miami this year. And of, of those teams, I feel like Florida is the most complete of, of that trio. I would agree, and I would actually rank them: Florida, Miami, Florida State. Mm-hmm. Out of those three teams, they're all on the yeah. same side of the bracket. Only two can get to the College World Series. Um, 
but uh, I have a feeling that two of them will. So yep. we're all picking the Gators. So that's our left bracket podcast. We're going to break for lunch, and I guess I'm going to take a suck another hour of y'all's lives later after lunch. We will come back later this afternoon, wrap up the right side of the podcast uh, of the bracket in the next part of this Baseball America College podcast. Brought to you by Slugger Nation, Louisville Slugger. Visit them on Instagram and Twitter at Slugger Nation. So for Mike and Jim, I'm John. We'll see you next time on the next BA podcast. Coming up right after this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.